feel like yeah, I got the they? short end of the stick here. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like I picked a small straw at I some point. I volunteered and Luke said, <laughs> I volunteered and Luke said, no, you're the new paid regular. We all know Willie's the guy who gets cut. <laughs> <laughs> I need to be, I could have stayed home. Man. I was fucking, I was comfortable. You got a mic? You have a mic. You have a good time. You have a mic. You can stay as long as you want. I don't want to do that. No, absolutely. Willie's a traffic guy. You Usually know? we uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. talk about the comedy store, and so I mean this could be this could be a nice epi- like a throwback talk about the store and your roles here, and that'd what? be really fun. That'd be awesome. <laughs> what did you say? There's, there's no way you can't hear me if you are listening and not just thinking of the next thing to say. Welcome back to the comedy store broadcast. I'm your host Luke Schwartz, and we have a special episode today. I absolutely do. Um, it sure is. A bunch of. <laughs> A bunch of <laughs> door guys and fun people here with me. To my left is Tom Dreesen. Yeah, Tom Dreesen. Say hi, Tom. Hi, Tom. And then uh, over in the corner in is the le- Willie Simon. Hey, what's up, guys? And then across <laughs> hey, from me is Logan Gunselman. Hi. Have you ever had just the person who seems like a, a ghost on it, like off? Because won't people be in the comedy store? Goes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is the uh, face that Bobby Lee saw in the fucking and Bruce bathroom. Bruce Gray is here too. Hey, it's me. It is very funny uh, that we on, have shows on every audio. You can't, Friday you can't tell how far away Willie is in the belly room. Shows every Friday in the belly room, and uh, if you come at ten thirty, you could see us go up. Um, Tom, you've you've thank you for coming on the yeah, show. Yeah, Tom Dreesen, everybody, come on. Yeah. Well, I, I, uh, Stand-up comedy legend Tom Dreesen. I came here tonight to try to get a job as a doorman. And yeah, they're hiring. Took yeah. Me into this, you, know. you have to showcase, though, again. <laughs> yeah, 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 to showcase as a, a, a three-minute show. Yeah, only three minutes. So we should probably explain to the four or five people who watch this show. <laughs> <laughs> dozens and dozens. But this one will be uh, several hundred, probably. Okay. Yeah. So that's something. That, that how this all came about is that I came here to just look over the room. I'm going to give a motivation talk next Monday, mm-hmm. April 24th at 5 o'clock. Um, it's called The Joy of Stand-Up Comedy and How to Get There. I give motivation talks to corporate America and to universities and things like that my whole career. Stand-up comedy is my love, of course, but this is a passion of mine. So I, I talk on four subjects, perception, visualization, self-talk, and develop a sense of humor. And I awesome. elaborate on those four points. And I talk about this journey that I went on starting here at the comedy store. I started out with a comedy team. Uh, Tim Reed and I were America's first black and white comedy team. History shows we were the last. <laughs> uh, Tim went on to become Venus Flytrap on WKRP Cincinnati. He was on a show called Sister, Sister. He played the father. Oh, Sister, Sister. oh really? Okay. Yeah. Sister, Sister. Yeah. Very um, funny. So we, it really is. I watched a lot of Sister Sister over the pandemic. I'm not your, even joking. Who is your favorite character on Sister Sister? Uh, the, is Jack A? The, does Jack A play the mom? Is that what she plays I, the mom on? Who plays I, the mom? Is very funny on the show. I might have thinking of a different show, but they're. <laughs> uh, well, which one, Jack? Is Lisa Landry, right? I remember the show name? itself. I because it's was more of like it was on a Disney Channel thing, so it was like. What year did you come to the? Conference? <laughs> <laughs> what year was it? 1974, and and I and I uh, and I had to do. I, I, did I you drive out here? Did you fly out here? No, I, I flew out here. I did a gig in Houston. It was the last gig that Tim Reed and I had because he wanted to go on become more of an actor, and so I my ex wife hated show business. I wasn't in show business when I met her. You know, when we got married, I had a wife and three kids, and I was working like everybody else. You know, I came out of the service after four years, and but I had this passion. I, I, I felt so unfulfilled everywhere I went. Every job I had, I'd say, this is not what I want to do, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. I would sit in the bar with my buddies at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning and say, I don't belong here, but I didn't know where I belonged. 
You know, so I, it, by pure accident, I was in a civic group called the JCs, and I wrote a drug education program teaching grade school children the ills of drug abuse with humor, a concept that had making the kids laugh, play records, and then plant the seeds. They weren't teaching drug education in those days at a college level or a high school level, let alone at an elementary school level. So it was just a concept I had, and helping me with the program was Tim Reed. He was a young guy right out of college. And long story short, you know, one day the program became very successful. And one day, a little eighth grade girl walking out of the classroom mm. said, you guys are funny. You ought to become a comedy team. And the thought of a comedy team intrigued us because no one had ever done a black-white comedy yeah. team before. So yeah. we started writing what we thought was material. Now, there were no comedy clubs in the This world. is all off of the advice of an eighth grader? Eighth grade girl. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, I, we still know who she is. We wrote two books. and I, We wrote a book called Tim and Tom, an American Comedy in Black and White about 15 years ago. And I just wrote a book called Still Standing. My journey from streets and saloons to the stage and Sinatra, and and uh, she we talk about her. Her name is Vicky Sharafka. That little eighth grade girl is now a grown woman. You know, she's a grandma now. You know? Did she ever do drugs or did no? Your, did it work? Did you, no, no, yeah, it worked. She, it, yeah. Well, not even her. But we we had. Uh, I'll digress here. One of the most, uh, one of the things I treasure the most in show business, is in all the years I've been in the fifty-two years I've been a stand-up comedian, is that. Tim and Tom, wherever we went, we ever wherever there was racial tension, and mind you, this was 1969, the Vietnam War. People, the kids were protesting the Vietnam War. I just got out of the service. So it's Tim everywhere. Just got out of college, yeah. yeah. There was there were race riots in every major city. Right. As point, bad as you think tension is today, it was really heavy in those days. In the middle of all this, we were going around the country trying to make people laugh, but there were no comedy clubs, so we did prisons we did uh, anywhere there was racial tension wow. we did high schools we did colleges we did 11 prisons in one year the prison tour yeah. Well, yeah, just, did you get paid did you get no food what are they paying no they, you why know, are you just you're going and volunteering to do yeah, comedy be, act that's when you have when you had no comedy clubs there were none in america you had to get up on stage somewhere yeah to be bad we had no place to be bad did you ever do the strip club any that those those old oh, we we did we did jazz clubs we did we jazz did anywhere clubs, cool. they would let us get up on stage you know strip clubs all that stuff mm-hmm. we would get just to do two minutes ten minutes five minutes or whatever and and uh, you know so you know again wherever there was racial tension that's what we want but one of the things I was going to say is that the thing I just think about the most I can't tell you how many times in our tour and Tim would tell you the same thing a young black kid would come up to us and say you know I have a white friend that I like to reach out to. But if I do, the brothers are going to wear me out and stuff. But after watching you and Tim tonight, I'm going to reach out to my white friend. And then a white kid would come up and say, you know, I have a black friend, you know, uh, that I'd, I'd like to reach out to. But if I do, the white guys are going to call me names. But after watching you and Tim, I'm going to reach out to my black friend. And those days, you didn't see a black guy and a white guy walking down the street together, let alone on a stage together. Yeah. So I treasure that more than anything else. You know, that's that, awesome. Yeah. 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 What, uh, just as far as, especially comedy store specific stuff, what led from, I guess, you, like you were saying a little bit earlier about hitchhiking up and down Sunset to get here and finally, like, getting past. What led from there to being... Because you were the union leader, right? For the strike. Yeah, and, and I, I sometimes almost regret that. Although I... <laughs> and, you know, I, because it yeah. turned into such a chaotic thing. Yeah. I went through the procedure like all of you are going through. Uh-huh. You know, I, I stood out in front and waited to, on a Monday, and I was 31 years old at the time. My The comedy team had been together six years. I was now a single, and I'm out here in line with kids 18 years old, 19 years old, 20 years old, you know, and mm-hmm. thinking that it was over for me, you know. Yeah. But I wouldn't give up, and that's what, what my motivation talks are about. And I showed them how, how I got from point A to point B, you know. But 
um, what happened was... Was I, that as a duo or as, a, as no, just Tom? As, as Tom. Yeah. In 19, when I came here in 1975, I got on the comedy show. I came here in 74. December 1975, I did my first appearance on The Tonight Show. They came here and saw me here at the comedy store. And I, The Tonight Show in those days, 26 and a half million people watched that show. One yeah. appearance on that show and you were on your way. And one appearance, Freddie Prince got a sitcom the next day. I did one appearance. I w had a wife and three kids and in the unemployment line. And one appearance, the next day, CBS signed me to a development deal, paid me $10,000 check and $1,850 a month for one year. That meant my rent, my groceries, for the first time in my comedy career, were paid for a year. Yeah. That I can now focus on writing material. Logan's crying. Being a comedian now sucks. Being a comedian now sucks. Someone just giving me, being like, here you go for every month. That's because so, you're on and one obviously TV. a testament yeah. to how good you are, but that now it feels like, yeah, that doesn't move the needle. It, as it much. means a lot. It's exciting to be on late night, but it. Well, back in the day, it was. It was the, it's the just only a different. Way to see, yeah, it's the only it's way. It's a to different see landscape. We all yeah. know this. It, well, he it did. was a stairway to stardom. Yeah, because twenty-six yeah, and a half million people watch that show. You know, and overnight. I did the first appearance. I did 61 appearances on The Tonight Show, but the, the first one, the next day, all of a sudden I was doing Dinosaur and Merv Griffin, Mike Douglas, Johnny Carson, Midnight Special, Rock Concert, Soul Train. I'm the only white king that ever Is that all Soul on Train. CBS? All, oh, no, all, oh, gotcha. all these different shows. Gotcha. You know, and, and just because of that, that one show, for some yeah, reason when Johnny Carson called you over to sit down and talk to him, you had arrived. Mm -hmm. When you had... You did one appearance on The Tonight Show to America, you had arrived. But to our industry, you didn't arrive till you sat down and talked to Johnny. Yeah. So there was a stairway to stardom for comedians in those days. Today, you've got the social media as your only way. To me, you could do 20 appearances on the late night shows, and I don't know how much it would enhance your career, but you know, yeah. you young people know what yeah. social media is all about. You can get, you know, look at Joe Rogan. 12 million hits a night. Yeah. 12 million. Not, not to mention. Bruce edits clips if you want to get some clips. <laughs> yeah. 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 He, he's gotten millions uh, of views for other going, people. Yeah. I, I work a lot on the, I make a lot of social media stuff for people and I've helped a lot of people get a lot of stuff going and then I run out of time for my own stuff. Oh. It's kind of a, an insane conundrum a little bit. It's kind of an evil conundrum, it seems well, like somewhat. Well, then we'll talk after this yeah, show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 I, that's not, I, I'm the new starway to, stairway to stardom. Yeah. Oh, you got to talk to me. The, the, then you the, the, the kingmaker. The door guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. There you go. Are you, are you fil everyone's film are you filming all of yours now Bruce? Yeah, absolutely. You film everything. Uh I have in the past like week I've been a little bit off but yeah. Uh, what gets the most hits Twitter uh, Instagram um TikTok uh, Twitter's not in the running. Instagram and TikTok it can kind of be back and forth but Twitter's it's, my it's, favorite but it's terrible. It's better yeah, to get I don't know. It's kind of back and forth now. Used to it be like even a year ago it was much better to get a lot more hits on Instagram than TikTok because as far as like People like the retention of everything and people, I guess, actually coming out versus now it's like Instagram's the new Facebook. Can we all yeah, yeah. agree? Yeah. Now, but Facebook's good too. Facebook, well, like, Facebook is Facebook back. Will Facebook pay, is back. Facebook oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, is. I think you're Facebook just older and you aged into Facebook. The, is my prayer warriors on Facebook that uh, the people that, the, oh, <laughs> that reach out to me No, Facebook now, but now it seems warriors. like Facebook are like it's real people. And so, like, people who are getting big hits on Facebook now are like, crushing it really? but it's yeah, because it's, 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 a, it's a weird mix of there are some people who Tom really tom's, will, tom's ready for that tom's the, tapped in Facebook. but they no, become I, very successful on the internet but it's a weird guessing game of if that translates to ticket sales because yeah. that's all that anyone 
else cares about. And then when you have a lot of followers, they go, well, this is proof that we'll sell tickets. And I've done shows with people who are very internet famous that end up not selling tickets that their fans go, they can see them online. Anyone go. lately? And then not anyone in particular, no. but then some, it, like people who have podcasts, their fans are diehards and they'll come out. And I think what Bruce is kind of saying is Facebook people who are real people, yeah. they will also come out, yeah. I, I guess. They're usually older too, so they can afford tickets. And yeah, yeah, that's the other thing is yeah, a lot the, of people who are our age or younger who, yeah. who would be fans don't have the money for tickets and a two drink minimum. So it's yeah. tough to get them. How much time, house. I have a question. Say you're going to put something yeah. on TikTok mm -hmm. uh, or Instagram. Mm. What, what, 60 seconds, no more? Or would you 60 usually like nah, 60, 60 to 90 seconds? seconds. For, yeah. yeah, that's uh, the limit for Instagram, but it's up to three minutes for TikTok. But oh, really, geez. yeah, they changed yeah. it because I'll tell you what, when I when Facebook first came out, my daughters who were going to help me with all this and never ended up not doing it, they <laughs> put me on Facebook and I got 5,000 fans right away. But what they didn't realize. That maxed me at five thousand. Yeah. So oh, then they yeah. said I couldn't get. Now they realize. Oh, we made a mistake, Dad. And they did it again and maxed me at another five thousand. Now I've got ten thousand people, but now I couldn't go anymore. And I was getting all these friend requests. For, I didn't know what to do. So they started a third one, but this <laughs> third one it now is unlimited. However, <clears throat> I can't transfer. I didn't know how to transfer those ten thousand over. They told yeah. me I'd have to like eliminate everybody and start yeah. all over again. Yeah. Yeah, 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 so it's a nightmare. Such a bummer. Yeah. And by the way, have you, you have ever tried to, to get a hold of somebody on Facebook? Oh yeah. If you try, you, you, I I had this issue with no. Uber, Uber yeah. the other day for two hours. Hours yeah. I couldn't get him on the phone because I left my keys in there like an idiot. But Uber, they will somebody eventually call <laughs> yeah. Facebook. No one yeah. will ever come back. Well, to you. But I I know what you're talking about specifically because Dave Waite, who's another door guy, who sure. just got passed. He had created two pages because if it's a personal page, yeah. then they cap you at five thousand. Right. But if it's a like a fan page that people yeah. can like it's and follow, right? it's unlimited. Yeah. But in theory, what you now have is three different pages for three different Tom Dreesons. So yeah. Dave, he didn't know this and had a one page for Dave Wait that hit five thousand, right. and then he's got second page Dave that's his other page, <laughs> and sometimes he'll comment and like Ter from both pages. Terrible so, branding. Yeah, yeah, so you'll get he's, comments. A, he's like, yeah, you he's do second page guy. Dave is getting like the Dave whisperer. Everything yeah. yeah, about Dave. Logan, like, Logan just all, knows. And she understands Logan Dave. Knows knows it. Does. Dave makes me exhausted. Uh, he is exhausting, but he's my. Uh, Dave rocks. Like my he's your spirit dad, or it feels like he's like the coach of my softball team. Sure, for and sure. that's our relationship. He was a. Uh, it was all good vibes in the main room last night. Seating was a breeze. It was really fun to seat with with that Dave crew, <laughs> with uh, Alex Young and Chapaloni and them. It was really nice. Mm -hmm. How uh, door cool. guys when Tom was here? Do you remember any like? Oh, sure. Door guys that you were know, here? You know, you know when it was when, first of all, the first time I came to the comedy store, I was working the Playboy circuit with Tim Reed. And yeah, there were there 17 Playboy clubs in America and two resorts. So it was a great, it was like vaudeville. Comedians, you do five, six shows a night. So Tim and I, our, comedy, our timing got incredible. But we were working the L.A. Uh, Playboy Club. And I came over and Sammy Shore at that time, Mitzi didn't own the club at that time. Sammy Shore, her husband had. Oh, so this is like, you said 70. Se wait. 70, yeah. Se it was like 72 or 73 yeah, when the first yeah. time I came 72, here. 72, that's the year they opened. But I just came to see it. Yeah. You know. And, and what it was, was any comic who walked in could get up and do an hour, could do a half hour, 45 minutes. Anybody. How would you, if someone got up and it was clear very quickly that they were either insane or 
not funny or both? Could they be kicked off stage or would people just sort of watch? No, Sammy would not let anybody up who was unknown. He, oh, he, oh, so somebody yeah. had to vouch so, for them before. I, I thought the way you made it sound is that just you could walk in and say, hello, I'm a comedian. Oh, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. I was Pot like, wow, was eight what hours. it was wide yeah. open. Wide no, open. no, he wouldn't allow that. <laughs> However, that's what the genius of Mitzi, though. When Mitzi won the comedy store in a divorce, she got, the, she, she, you know, Sammy didn't think the comedy store was going to do anything if he had known what a gold mine it was. But he didn't have Mitzi's brilliance. Mitzi turned it into a Ford assembly line. Every 15 minutes, another comedian. If you'd have told me in those days when I first started out, hey, you're going to go on tonight. There's going to be seven comedians in front of you. There isn't a comedian in America that would have done that. Yeah. Hell no, I ain't going to follow seven comedians. Who ever heard of such a thing? Mm -hmm. Seven comedians, you know. You'd, and you'd be saying, well, I got to see what material they're all doing, if, if it conflicts with mine. But Mitchie turned <laughs> it into an assembly line, and it was very, very effective. Again, this was the only game in town. Yeah. I can't describe to you what this place was like in 1975, this was the hottest place in the country for comedians, mainly for a couple of reasons. Number one, Johnny Carson left New York in 1972 yeah, yeah. and brought the show out here. And one appearance on the show, as I just explained, your whole life changed. So we all migrated out here, Jay Leno's and David Letterman's and Tom Dreesen's and you know, all the comics that, that you know, uh, Michael Keaton and, uh, yeah. you know, uh, Elaine Booth. Uh, He's got all a neon game. up there. Robin yeah. Williams. And, you know, we Batman. all we all came out here <laughs> to get that chance at the Tonight Show. <laughs> so to get the, the, but every night in this club, every night someone was getting discovered. Every night some comedian come off stage. I just got I just got the Murphy Griffin show. I just got the Dinah Shore show. I just got the Tonight Show or Canada had three shows up there that they would fly you up there yeah. and they would you would tape three different shows for them three different five minute sets you know and then they would air it all year long they were flying comics up there this was now like, every night here uh, comedians getting canceled every single <laughs> night <laughs> I mean, it somebody was walks off stage and they're like oh no 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 yeah. <laughs> it was exciting this was the yeah. most exciting place That's in the world for comics yeah. to come to you know yeah of course and, and that led you to when you led me to the strike I did my first appearance on the Tonight Show, and I was on my way. Now I'm touring all over the country. I'm touring with Sammy Davis Jr., um, you know, with, with Gladys Knight and Pips, with Natalie Cole, different. When artists. you were touring with, by that time that you were touring with Sammy Davis, was it the uh, oddity enough of like not oddity, or was it like still kind of not awesome that a white guy and a black guy are going out together? No, I mean, you know, Sammy and, and Frank Sinatra and the Rat Pack. Oh, yeah, that was they, already they happened. They did all course. that. That already happened. However, you know, Sammy, I did his show called Sammy and Company. And I did a whole routine about being the only white kid on an all-black basketball team, which I was. And, and I played football on an all-black football sure. team. And all these routines from my childhood. I had an album out in front of an all-black audience called That White Boy is Crazy, you know. <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you, is it anywhere? Can you find yeah, it? Yeah, it's, it's I did it in, like, 1981 or something. Yeah. You can find it. But, That's uh, awesome. But it, it's, it's the only hey, white did you get those crazy. streams up? What? Yeah, hey, check yeah. out that white boy's crazy, yeah. Tom yeah. Dreesen. Yeah. And they, they still air it on, you know, every yeah. now and then get a check from, um, what is it, Sound or something? Serious like XM. Yeah, 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 like about 100. But anyhow, the point. <laughs> and we're both like, that's you guys the best day of my week when I'm like, ooh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Little... But anyhow, Sammy, you know, touring with Sammy, um, uh, I was now making a lot of money. I was making six figures. And every time I'd come back to L.A., come off the road, I would come here and sign up the comedy store because I was working on new material for the Tonight Show. How did the sign up work? You were were you already? No, you I, were I, I just have to call at that time. I just have to call and say hey, I'm in town and in, in uh, these days of the like week. Like you're available. I'm the available. Yeah. And yeah. especially when I was getting ready to do the Tonight Show, um, you know, um, I'm going to get to the strike in a minute. No, you got it. Yeah, this is what I what I used to do. People say, "How do you write material?" The best question I was ever asked on an interview, and I've done a thousand of them, was, 
are you a comedian who's a writer? Or are you a writer who's a comedian? I said, wow, that's a good question. No one's ever asked me that. I'm a comedian who's a writer because I love stand-up comedy. I hated writing. Yeah. And, but to do The Tonight Show, you had to do a new five minutes every time you did The Tonight Show. And it couldn't be two guys going to bar jokes. It had to be original monologues. Yeah. So I was in a constant state of writing new material. So I'd come off the road, and then I would sign up. What I would do, I'd call The Tonight Show. In those days, I had carte blanche. So I'd say, I'm ready March 18th, and that's three weeks away. And they'd say, okay, Tom, your book. I don't have the first joke. Now I'd, go, <laughs> I'd go into manic mode now. Now, now I, everything you said, I, that's yeah. funny. Let me write that down. Get a new hat, let me write something about hats. You know, I, was, I was in a constant state of writing new material. So I would force myself. I'd come here three or four nights a week. And then when the improv opened up later on, I'd go over there. And anywhere I could go to try out the new material. Did you One, ever get any pushback from Mitzi for doing both? Yeah, she did. She, by that time, I was established. She, she didn't really... If you were established, she wasn't. She understood that you might have known Bud Friedman prior to knowing her, or at the same time. But she didn't want her newbies, her yeah. that she cultivated, working over there. You know. Uh, but anyhow, so now <laughs> I come off the road one time, and we always worked the original room. In the other, the main room was a guy named Art LeBeau had a fifties yeah. club there. Yeah. And when he sold the club, first of all, he started a comedy room in that room to compete with her. And of course, she told us in the basically so in the main room in the same building. In the same building, <laughs> she told us. She told us. She said, "No, no, no! You don't go in there and work for him and work." For it was me. called the Comedy Funny Farm. Is that what it was? No, but he had he had a comedy right, night that he would do this. He used to do rock and roll shows in there. Anyhow, Mitchie was on Mitchie bought him out. She bought him out, and that became the main room. And in that room would be Jackie Mason, but he'd get the door. You know, Jackie'd come in if he charged $25 at the door. She took the food and drinks. Buddy Rich played near the drummer. Yeah. He took the door. Cool. She took the food and drinks. Rodney Dangerfield, he Buddy took Rich the door. Blah, blah. So yeah, we, we, you know, we all come in here and work on new material. I That's come cool. off the road thinking I'm going in the original room to try out my new material. I go out the road, and they said, oh, Tom, you're in the main room. I said, the main room? Wow. I go in the main room that night. It's David Letterman, Robin Williams, Jay Leno, Tom Dreesen, Elaine Boozler. You know, I think Gallagher, it was all these, we were all newbies, you know, but is I was... This, this is pre-Watermelon Gallagher? Uh, that was at the same time. Though. Oh, wow. Yeah, but they really wrote wanted the Watermelon. Like, what is Gallagher doing? Uh, he, he, he was... He, now what is he doing? No, what was he doing? <laughs> oh, he, no, now... Yeah. now I tell you, he's one, one of the most clever R. comedians I've ever... He's a great comedy writer, you know. Yeah. They, all he's remembered for is the Watermelon, but he was really a brilliant monologist. You know? Were there uh, <laughs> were there the side, the side wings of the room at that point, or was it just the... Is, that's what I heard somebody say, is that it was just the front section, back section, yeah. not the sides. You're, you're right. Gotcha. But So what happened, I come and I do the show, and I'm, I'm, I go on stage, and I said, geez, I feel like I'm back in Las Vegas with like 400 people in the room. Afterward, we all go to Cantor's where the comedians hang out at. We're all sitting around talking, and Jay Leno walks in, and he said, man, this is bullshit. This is bullshit. She pays Buddy Rich, he gets the door. She pays Rodney, he gets the door. Maybe it took five of us to fill the room, but the room was filled. And so they start talking about comics getting paid. I'm making I'm, I'm, I'm not even in this conversation. I'm doing real good. Yeah. But they decided to hold the meeting. And about 100 comedians showed up. And I went because this is, you know, these are my peers. And, and, I, and they were all talking at the same time. You know, being in a room with 100 comedians, Gallagher saying, why don't we burn the place down? And, you know, <laughs> crazy shit. So right, I'd listen to them. And all they hammer. decided at that meeting was, done. they decided one thing, let's have another meeting. <laughs> so I went to another meeting a week later, and, I, and I'm, I'm listening to them, and they're, and they're so disorganized. And I had been in the JCs. I knew Robert's Rules of Order. I knew how to conduct a meeting. You know? And so I, hmm. I said to them, you guys, let me just conduct the meeting. And I start getting them 
organize. Oh, hold, hold on, hold on. Hold, Jay, Jay, Gallagher, be quiet. Jay's got the floor. Jay, make your point. Then put it in the form of a motion. Then I start forming committees and subcommittees and helping him. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden, they decide, I, I'm going to Mitchie. I'm the spokesperson. I go to Mitchie every night, and I talk to her. I said, Mitchie, the comics want to get paid. She no, they didn't want to pay. And, and, and she didn't want to pay. And I kept saying, you know, Mitchie, you, know, you pay the doorman. You pay the, the, uh, the um, guy who cleans the toilets. The waitresses get paid. Shouldn't the comics get something? And she didn't want to pay them. And, and then one night, I, I had an idea. I, I, I came over in the morning. It was 10 o'clock in the morning. I was waiting for her. I said, Mitchie, you're charging like $5 at the door. Why don't you charge $6, a dollar more, and let the comedians have that dollar, share the comedian. I didn't want to get paid, because she had even pointed out, Mitch, she said, Tommy, you're doing real good. You got your start here. You're doing real good. I said, no, you're right. You're absolutely right. So I don't want to get paid. But a lot of these kids are struggling. You know, they couldn't afford gas money or, or you know, food. Mm-hmm. So anyhow, it became a nightmare, a fucking nightmare. Uh, I, that I got so involved, and I didn't want to get involved in it. Then the comedians voted to go on strike. You know, I, last thing I want to do, I was involved. I was a teamster when I was in Chicago. I know what strikes can be like. So I didn't. I kept, kept coming to Mitzi saying, Mitzi, could we resolve this? You know, and you know, long story short, she, she didn't want to pay the comedian, so they decided to strike. I come down here that night, the night they were going on strike, and they all voted. Instead of all of us talking to the media, Steve Bluestein was in charge of getting the media out here. Well, he got every ABC, NBC, CBS. He got Variety, The Hollywood Reporter. Mm-hmm. He got... All the wow. major networks here, they were out in front. And they decided rather than have 16 comedians talk to the media, Tom will do it. Tom will be the <laughs> now, now, I got this. Now I'm Jimmy Hoffa, right? Now, did you, when you knew you had to do this, were you, did you try to make any sort of jokes at all? Or were you like, it's knowing that you're now doing something with the media involving comedians on strike, there's obviously pressure. Any comedian in their head is like, is we know him, jokes from, we know him from the Tonight Show and everything. Yeah, like, like did you, you feel, or did you just go and say your piece as sort of... You have a what? comedian introduce, you go, a comedian yeah. goes up no. to the reporter and says, you know this next you guy from the Tonight Show? you town. <laughs> you know, the comedians, they came with signs, you know. Yeah. No, yeah. No, you've seen the signs. Yeah, you know, yeah. No, no yucks, no bucks, and all that stuff. And, and, and I no more what... what I've always been, I played basketball, I, I played football, I was always the littlest guy. I boxed when I was in the service. You know, I never want to get in a fight, but when I get in a fight, I want to win. You know, I never mm-hmm. want to, and, and I just want to win. And so I felt that in principle, it was right. And the other hard part was Mitzi was a friend. Mitzi, I, I took her on radio shows because she's very shy. And they had a girl named Estelle Endler here who was in charge of PR. And she'd book me on radio shows to talk about the comedy store. And I'd take Mitzi sometimes with me because she was shy, but I would say, come on out. And she, we talk. so I, I love Mitzi. I really liked her. I didn't want to oppose mm-hmm. her, but I didn't want to, you know, oppose my peers as well. Yeah, it was course. very difficult. Nineteen people crossed the picket line, eighteen guys and one girl, or it would have been over in one night. You know, yeah. but that kept it going for like almost eight weeks. The and same people. The, yeah, the same. And, and it just re- it was really difficult time. Yeah. And and now I'm in a fight. And then Sammy Davis, I had fifty thousand dollars worth of work to do with Sammy. And Sammy, in those days, that was a lot of money. Yeah. It's still a lot of money. But, yeah. but Sammy, I told him what I was doing. He said, you go ahead and don't worry about it. What you're doing is right. He said, you can come back on the road with me as soon as this thing's settled, which we thought would be a couple of weeks. But Wait, so you didn't, you didn't perform anywhere else in addition to no. here? 
No. And did everyone agree to that, or would they perform at other clubs? Well, there was no one. There was only one other club at that time. And or that the was, Improv, I guess. Improv. Would, would they go there? Or well, no? you, you, you didn't was read the, the book. Ice I'm, House around? Did yeah, anyone? the Ice House. Dave Letterman and I and George Miller would go out there sometimes. Mm-hmm. In fact, there's still a picture there of Dave and I and George. I'll show you how old the picture is. Dave sitting underneath a payphone. When was the last time you saw a payphone? Because <laughs> that's where Steve Martin started. I thought. Yeah. The ice House. And there was a place oh. called the Horn, yeah. and, and too. I mean, there was a place that's that cool. would pay, pay yeah. you the Horn. And I think the ice house paid a little bit, but so then, how long was the strike? Eight weeks. Eight weeks. weeks. What happened was is during the time it, you, you didn't read the book. I'm dying up here, but at the time the the, the it, we were going on strike. Door guy 101. Yeah. It's the intro I, to intro no, to door I, guy. I did, I did I read, read it, but book, I don't yeah. remember the specifics of. It's a history. The, it's a history. I thought it just meant they couldn't perform. Willie, you here. read that book. Huh? Uh, no, what, what happened was, it is during the strike... <laughs> That's why you're sitting over there. You didn't read it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. During the strike, we had a, a, a waitress here who was our spy on the inside. And when, oh. when Mitzi would meet with the, those who were her loyalists, you know, that she would... Robin would tell us... Oh, I shouldn't tell you her name. Oh, she's... <laughs> no, Eleanor. Rob, Eleanor Kerrigan. <laughs> <laughs> she would tell us what they said. So anyhow, one night she says, the Dana. comedians are talking about going on strike. And, when, uh, and, and one of the comedians said... Uh, the comedians won't go on strike. They need a place to work. And and uh, the, the another comedian said, well, what if they work the improv? You know, you know. she said, oh, Mitchie said, they they may go over to the improvisation. And the other comedian said, what if there, there was no, no improvisation? Improvis- yeah. And two days later, they threw a Molotov cocktail on top of the roof of the, somebody did, and yeah. burned the place down. The back, but the front of the improv was open. So Bud Friedman came to me and said, Tommy, if you guys strike me, I'm dead. I need to rebuild this club. I said, but we don't want to go on strike. Comics don't want to go on strike. Will you write a, a memo? Will you say that once you get rebuilt, if we work your place, that you in good faith will negotiate with us for a fee for the comedians? He said, he signed it. Yeah. So when we were on the picket line, we said, there's no show here. And, and, uh, but you know you can go to the improv we'll be on there later on and it was a burned out building it smelled like wood you know yeah. wood and but <laughs> we would get up and it was a big piece of canvas behind us but we'd get up and do you, you know, know who threw it would you would you confirm <laughs> would you i because from what i know from you, what i think i guess it's never actually been confirmed but would you confirm that it was a very rotund comedian who the, threw the molotov no question <laughs> look hey hey biff oh. made it before he died now now let me digress because argus is going to hear this show <laughs> argus argus and i have been friends oh for, tommy you really spilled the beans <laughs> yeah. argus and i have been friends from the day he came i was out here before him the yeah. day he came, i love argus we've been friends for all these years mm. and he's he's a prolific writer he's a good guy in, in his heart he's a real good guy but he was very loyal to Mitzi, and God bless him. He would come out when we were talking on, on the we were talking to customers. Argus would wait till I finished when I'd say, "Folks, we're on strike here, but we're all working at the improv." Argus would say, "Are you finished?" How much? He said, "This is my friend Tom Dreesen, and he's a fine man, and and I think the world of him. But we do have a show inside, folks. <laughs> and, and, because you know, and and and, and, I, and I, I understood that, you know. So I love Argus. So Argus disagrees with me, but I know who threw the thing on the roof, and and also Biff Mater. God rest his soul. Before he died, he told me who did it, you know, and he agreed that that would happen. But that, that's that was the, uh, the, the I can't describe to you what it was like out here at that time. The tension and and the uh, and when it was over, I I I, I was so relieved uh, that I it shouldn't have never happened. It could have been resolved in one day. Yeah. I mean, with one dollar, 
Don't charge five at the door. Charge six at the door. If we draw 200 people, the comedians spit up $200 for that night. If we, you know, yeah. Uh, I mean, that's basically, well, now in the main room, that's at least basically what they do. It's more that direct was, split. By the way. Is that, that was, still the same deal from That was part of our contract. Was, was the split, yeah. the half that's the door the split. Yeah. That was yeah. the contract. We, I, we, uh, Dave Letterman had a. Um, and 15 in the OR. Yeah, Dave Letterman had a uh, yeah for fifteen minutes. in the yeah Dave Letterman had a, a a lawyer named Ken Browning. He was with Henry Bushkin, who was Bushkin, Games, Wolf, and Copelson. That was Johnny Carson's lawyer, Henry Bushkin. Dave Letterman, this was his lawyer. He recommended us to Ken Browning. Ken Browning came out here and represented us for free. And the night that the strike was over, that he came inside, Mitchie and I and him, at four o'clock and we stayed there till four o'clock in the morning writing up the contract. And the part of the contract was fifty percent. At, in, in the main room, you know, mm-hmm. at the door, whatever you get. That's still the deal today. Yeah. yeah. It's up to $50 in the original room. Yeah. That, yeah. I heard it was in her will that Argus goes up whenever, like, you know, second all the time. Like, I've heard there's rumors. He of, gets spots that, yeah. every week. Like, that's of, in the will. Of will and the things in the will. Yeah, it went up to $50 in the uh, OR. Yeah, all, Peter, all we, we, had to, we just had to burn down flappers. That's all we had to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Peter Shore told me that a while back. He said, hey, I'm boosting it in the original room to 50 which is great. I he said, I don't back. want any trouble. Is that what he, I, he, he came no. up to you. He's like, Tom, please. <laughs> Not, no. I, I didn't come back here for over 40 Teaster years. Tom. 40 years, yeah. Over right? 40 years, I never came. And the reason I didn't come back, the kid that committed suicide, Steve LeBeck. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he came after the strike was over. We were all, all the comics were meeting, and I was saying my goodbye speech. You know, goodbye. It's, it's you, you guys are. I'll see you in now. forty years. Yeah, but I said so. I was anyhow, and Steve Lebeckin came up to me afterward, and I had to go catch a plane. I was going to Tahoe to do a show in Tahoe with Sammy, and and uh, also George Slatter wanted to interview me to do it. He was doing a show. Um, he wanted me to be on this show. In fact, I didn't do it, but Byron Allen took the job. You know, I can't remember the name of the show. But anyhow, long story short, I was in a hurry, and my ex-wife was with me. I forgot her name. Oh, yeah, Plaintiff. <laughs> <laughs> Solid classic. <laughs> but you know, she was saying, come on, we got to go. go. Yeah. And Steve Lebeckin came up to me, and he said, Tom, please don't leave the group. If you leave the group, and you and Letterman and those guys that leave the group, you know, you know, they will be hard on us. Because we had, in the contract, we had, if you walk the picket line, you were not allowed, You couldn't be retaliated yeah. against because you walked the picket line. It was part of the contract. Yeah. Mm. Can I tell them what? Can I tell them what you said? Is that the? I won't perform here until you do. That, that's right. Yeah. Because uh, he was so upset. He said, "Tom, I called yeah. in three weeks in a row for a spot, and I don't get spots." And I was my wife saying, "Come on, we got to go. We got to go." And I said, "Steve, Steve, it's in the contract. She can't retaliate. You're gonna, you're gonna be on soon enough." He said, "Tom, but but you don't get it, Tom. You don't get it. Every time I try, I know she's not gonna put me on." And in the pen, and I grabbed him by his shoulders. I said, "Steve, Steve, Steve, I won't go back till you go back. I give you my word. I won't go back till you go back because you're gonna go back." Now I go to Tahoe. I'm working there a week. Jay Leno calls me five minutes before I'm going on stage. He thought I had just got off stage. Oh, God. I'm ready to walk on stage. He calls me and says, in my dressing room, he said, Steve Lebetkin committed suicide. He jumped off the top of the Continental Hyatt House toward the comedy store and landed on the ramp out there, that driveway yeah. ramp. There. And he left a suicide note. His note said, my name is Steve Lebetkin. Yeah. I used to work at the comedy store. And, and I just, I, 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 I had to go on stage. But I thought, I wish I'd have never, ever got involved in this crazy situation that could have been resolved in in one day you know and i so i never came back yeah and then when they were doing the documentary mike binder came to me and said and peter shore called me and said would you do the documentary about the comedy store and all that stuff and i thought about i thought about i said yeah you know i thought and let him i talked to dave and he said yeah you should go down there and so mike you know the story he filmed me coming back here and all that crap you know 
Did uh, had you seen Argus when in the forty years you weren't here, or oh, did you have to? I would only, see him once only him. jogging. You saw him out. <laughs> <laughs> you saw I him would, jogging. You know, I drive by. You know, yeah. I drive by because because yeah. this the, the fond, some of my fondest memories are here. This this place. Yeah, of course. It, without you know, I, I owe Mitzi without me being on this stage. Had she not approved of me, I was going back to South Side of Chicago. It was over. The pressure to be get on at the comedy show was greater than the pressure to get on the Tonight Show, because yeah. it was the only game in town. So if Mitzi said no, it was all over for you. You had to go back. There was no place to go. You know. So I I, I owe her. You know. I, I mean, and she knows that. Argus got her on the phone with me. You know, uh, and we talked. You know, about the old times and all that stuff. Yeah. You know. Yeah, but, How does it feel coming back now? What's it feel like? It's sometimes it's like going back to high school, you know. Sometimes yeah. it's like going back and and and, and then, but it, but it's still a lot of fun when I go on stage and I think that this is where the you know I did I got the, the Tonight Show would change my you know and from the original room you know I go in the main room and it just reminds me of all the people I worked here with some who are dead and gone now you know uh, mm-hmm. Robin being one of them yeah. you know and uh, yeah. just you know it, it's it's uh, and, and but more than that I love seeing you guys. That's what thrills me the most because I'm I I you're the young or the best David Letterman you're the young <laughs> Jay Leno you're all the people that, that the young Ollie you know, Joe Prater yeah see <laughs> <laughs> uh, a hat uh, I, he they used to accuse him hat, of stealing yeah. material one time and one time a comedian went up to Ollie and said you know you you know damn it you stole the joke of mine and he named the joke now they said you're full of shit I stole that from Dave from Bill Shaw <laughs> <laughs> go talk to him yeah, he said, I stole that probably from, Danny yeah. Rose yeah. Yeah. yeah that's fun uh, Man, yeah this has been fun this is yeah. so cool what the what are we at um, we're probably around 40 minutes or so oh really hell yeah um I would say, I mean, I have I have stuff from the week. I also have tips if you tip at the door. I mean, this is how we buy sandwiches now. Like, this yeah. is what we're fighting for is tips. Um, you doormen get tips? Yeah. 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 Well, we People ask from, for uh, them. Ever, <laughs> ever more genetics. We, we, we throw it out. We throw we, the idea out We have a tip jar, and when it. people come in, we go, hey, we don't make that much. We would love it if you would tip. And some people are very generous. Wow. Some of them drop five or ten bucks in and go, and, like, and if you mention the doorcast, we'll shout you out. Yeah, yeah. Um, we got t- pickpocket schemes. We got all kinds of stuff. Yeah, right it's a real, it's, it's quick, a real it's trap. A, uh, there. Wow. Three bench Monty. <laughs> yeah, we're doing three card Monty yeah. on, the, uh, <laughs> on, the, on the VIP. Yeah. What is this, a ball with a cup? Yeah, people from, yeah. Yeah. people yeah. from Evermore Genetics in Santa Cruz, friends of Frank Castillo. Sounds like drop it. some money. Stoners. Uh, uh, Toby, who is Chris Glick's son, the piano player. Oh yeah, Toby right. Glick. Uh, you know him? No, I just that's it's a great, great. name, yeah, Toby Glick. That's good. Uh, Michael from San Antonio, and I didn't get any other numbers, even because uh, Kaylee didn't gotcha. write them down. I've Can been I, too mean to Kaylee recently, but it's been really fun for me. Uh, at the time, whenever you were touring with Frank Sinatra, <laughs> yes, I never toured with him. But oh go yeah, on. whenever yeah, Luke, whenever you were out there, <laughs> I didn't tour with him, but yeah. I toured near him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was great. He was playing the. Can the, I say you were in the upstairs room, <laughs> Frank? <laughs> Great guy, really good, nice guy. That was like the biggest he was at. The, was like, was that the time when he was like at his biggest oh, and like he was the, he, the he biggest. Was his, he was at his biggest for sixty years. Yeah, Frank Sinatra touring with him was unlike anything I, I, I toured with. Smokey Robinson, I toured with Natalie Cole. As I told you, I toured with Sammy Davis for years. But Frank, twenty thousand people in arena. 20,000 people in the round in Hawaii. Not just Italians. Hawaii, 40,000. No, are you kidding me? He, he drew, he sold out in, he sold yeah. out in Japan. Yeah. He, he, this guy sold in, in Brazil. 
Look it up in the internet. 175,000 people came Whoa. to see him. 170. No single artist has ever done it. Rock groups maybe, but no single artist. He wow. was he was larger than life. Yeah. Let me give you an example of what it was like to open up for Frank Sinatra. There's 20,000 people in the arena. In a round? Or in the a, round. Wow. In the round. You're, it'd like be working at the, at yeah. the uh, what you call it? The, the forum? The forum, yeah. yeah. Where mm -hmm. people, you'd 20,000 people. Now, it's, there's 20,000 people out there. And the road manager, the first night I opened at the Nassau Coliseum for him, Hank Catania was his name. He said, Tom, tongue-in-cheek, he said, Tom, here's what we want you to do. There's 20,000 people out there. We want you to go out there in the center of that arena. And for the next 40 minutes, we want you to... Hold their attention. Oh, one more thing, Tom. We want you to hold their attention, but we want you to make them laugh for 40 minutes. Oh, one more thing, Tom. We not only want you to make them laugh for 40 minutes, you want to make them laugh when you want them to laugh. We want you to pull the strings on the emotions of, of 20,000 people. No props, no tricks, no charts, no special arrangement, no special lighting, no orchestra, nothing but you and 20,000 people. And one more thing, Tom, not one of them came to see you. <laughs> 40 minutes is a... <laughs> well, that's what I was going to ask. Because so like, I didn't know opening acts. Was that kind of standard? Because I feel like the, the opening act that's a comedian for a musician was far more common and then now it happens sometimes but i don't know about the length of the sets it would be 40 minutes is a frank, long time. Frank, yeah. well frank if he was doing an arena we'd do more he normally in vegas we worked vegas tahoe reno atlantic city he worked 90 minute show he'd say tommy do 25 i'll do an hour and five yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. he, or some nights he'd say tommy my he called his throat his reed reads a little sore do 30 and i'll do i'll reads do an hour you know, that cool. sounds cool yeah, yeah that's the, the coolest that's thing yeah. that's the coolest thing you yeah. could ever say yeah. that's yeah. Yeah. everything he said was cool it was it was a, it was hard to describe what it was like you know it's time to go on the road and a limo would pull up in front of my condo and two big guys would come and carry my luggage down they'd carry me down if i wanted to be carried mm -hmm. down drive me out to van nuys airport out to the private jet right out to the jet I'd, they'd load all the luggage everything I'd get on the jet the moment Frank put his foot on that jet he's, he, we had a pilot called Johnny Spots he'd say take off Spots <laughs> is that a nickname or his real <laughs> name that was his real name Johnny take Spots take off Spots take take off my reed's ready to go yeah. Yeah, he'd say let's go Spots and, and we, we take, uh, that, all that pre-flight shit better be done we take off down we'd land Squad cars and limousines pick us up, rush us through the arena. We'd do the show. Squad cars and limousines would rush us out to the jet. We'd be flying over the venue. People weren't even in their cars yet. We're on our way to the next city. It was, it was unlike anything wow. I'd ever been on. It was really a, What uh, cities are memorable? Do you have any that you hit that were like... Oh, God. We, we, I, I did 45, 50 cities a year with him for Did you do Madison Square years. Garden? No, not Madison Square Garden, but we did, I did you know, Nassau Coliseum. We oh, did gotcha. Radio City Music Hall. Oh, wow. In Chicago, we did, every time I'd go back to my hometown, we'd do another big arena. You know, it was, uh, it was just hard to describe. And then he'd do Omaha, and he'd do um, Lincoln, Nebraska, and all these big arenas. You know, everywhere, we'd go to Hawaii, you know. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was just, it, it, was, it was hard to describe that, that um, with him, it was like, it was like a show business that I'd never been around before, you know, because it was, you know, it was such a big. Yeah, scale. it was. And, and every night you'd go on stage, you'd, you'd be talk, you'd be saying, I'm really happy to be here. Song. And you look and say, oh, my God, there's amazing. the president of the United States. You know, <laughs> you'd be saying, oh, there, yeah. it was all the Gregory Peck and Kirk Douglas and, and Angie Dickinson and, and all these stars yeah. would, you know, must have been uh, unbelievable. What president did you perform in front of? I, and five presidents. I did, you know, Trump five times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ab Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, oh, nice. He, he was actually watching. Yeah, he was yeah, watching was your show. <laughs> I did. I did. I, I performed well. for Bill Clinton. I performed <laughs> it was for that night. Uh, Bill Clinton, Ronald Reagan, uh, Ro Richard Nixon, both Bushes. 
and Gerald what, Ford. Did you yeah. notice which one laughed? The, was one not laughing the whole time and you it's, were annoyed? Reagan and Clinton were two of the... Reagan was a great joke teller. He, he loved telling jokes. He loved com- comedians. Did you know him before he was president? presidency was a joke. No, not before he was president. But, he also but, loved uh, crack. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, nice uh, input from the ghost that's in here. <laughs> no one knows he's a ghost. I mean, it's just like on, he's still on mic. What? <laughs> you can Clinton. hear me. Clinton was a, a, a uh, he was a real astute politician. Whoever was with him, like you go to the White House, if there'd be people in the line to meet him, you were the only person in his universe while you're, I don't care if you're the janitor, you were the only person in his universe. Whatever was around him, there was, you were Intense the only. Focus. And he would stay yeah. on your eyes and talk to you and listen. Mm-hmm. And when he was done with you, then you were the only person in his universe. He was an, he was an astute politician. And he also knew Whenever there was a celebrity in your audience, Bob Hope or Lucille Ball, anytime there was a celebrity in my audience, especially if they were a comedian, whatever joke you do, the whole audience would look to see if that see person if is laughing. laughing. And yeah. you're doing the same. Also. And then they would laugh. You know, then yeah. they would laugh. So Clinton was well aware of that. What he would do, he would say, focus on you, and he would pound the table because he, he knew they were looking he would, at him. He would yeah. break the tension. Do the He's du- good. He'd go, ooh, 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 like, <laughs> yeah. do Arsenio. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Yeah, the pounding... Yeah, I do a table. Yeah, I'll no, do no, like I'm saying slow the, arm. The president pounding the table is would make me be like, yeah. I can laugh at yeah. this. No, but you know what else? The comedians, you right, know, comedians. Exactly. When we're in a room watching another comedian, rarely do you ever see comedians laugh, and unless you're bombing. If you're bombing, they'll go, ha ha. They're letting you know. They're letting <laughs> oh, you know. I love it. I can't <laughs> help it. The it's king, really, the truly king like of the, the, the mean laugh. I'm like uh, Jessica, but for bombs. Jay Leno used to say, you know, whenever something like that, and the comedians in the back would laugh, he'd say, folks, for you who don't understand. Understand. He said, see, that's the comedians in the back, knowing that joke didn't work. He said, it's kind of like, you know when the little rabbit gets his paw caught in the, in the trap in the jungle and all the other animals come and eat him? He said, that's what you guys are doing. Yeah. yeah. What was, when you, f- you only said you only came to the comedy store before it was Mitzi's place once? Yeah, with, with the, when Sammy Shore ran it. Yeah. Gotcha. And what was, did did you feel, do you remember, do you feel if it was very unorganized or you were just so entranced in being? No, it, it, what it, was inter- it was interesting to me that a comedian named Sammy Shore, at that time, Sammy had been open for Elvis, so he was known mm-hmm. and all that stuff, but that he would start this room where, you mean, just comics get up and, you know, Red Fox would walk in and get up and get up on stage. Anybody could just walk in How and, much, Were know. tickets free? No, he, I mean, he didn't charge anything at the door at that time. You was know. there a drink minimum? Yeah, there, there was drink and okay. all that kind of stuff. But there was there. not a drink minimum. You could just get drinks. To, to, to my knowledge, it was never a drink minimum at From, that time. Because that's when is I that concept. Mitzi, start I heard Mitzi yeah, is one who invented. invented the two drink minimum. Yeah, that's what, that's what I've heard. What I've been told. Yeah. Hmm. Argus also told me she went to the moon. I don't know what that's about. <laughs> <laughs> she had said, that's she yeah, oh, because yeah. I'll operate the lasers. Up yeah, there. He, knows, yeah. he knows she's Jewish. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's funny. What's funny about two people in comedy, in my 52 years in comedy, there's two people when you're talking about them, they can't talk about them. If another comedian's talking about them, they can't talk about them without doing their voice. Yeah. One was Mitzi and the other was Jay Leno. Yeah. And, they, 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 and both of those voices are similar, you know. Yeah. Hey, uh, hey big guy. You know. well, that's what I was thinking. It's an interesting idea of, hey, when you say Jay Leno called you about Steve Lubeckin, that the idea of him, him, him having, it sounds like an impression somebody would do like as a Saturday Night Live audition is this is Jay Leno giving bad news. Yeah. And then like basically that's what the internet, <laughs> Yeah. Like, I was really trying to picture it. It was. You know how the strike ended, right? Uh, the and Jay was a major part. What happened was I had to speak before oh, yeah, Screen Actors yeah, yeah, Guild yeah. And, and after. They had a big meeting and they asked us 
would I come up and speak about what we're doing, and would Mitzi's representative, which was Biff Maynard and Danny Mora, they came and spoke on Mitzi's behalf. I went with uh, Mark Lanau and Joanne Lanau, and I spoke before the Screen Actors Guild, and so did they. And I spoke about our part and their part and so forth and so on. And then afterward, they came to us, the president of the Screen Actors Guild, and said, we cannot support your effort because you're not a member of the four A's. We were in a union. He said, but we will take out a full-page ad in Variety and a full-page ad out in Hollywood Reporter asking the actors and writers and producers of our industry to support you in this behalf. So knowing that, you know, before that, he came back here. I came back here, and we're out in front here walking the picket line. And Mitchie had gotten an injunction. You couldn't walk across the driveway, still, back, yeah, which, which still, was right, yeah. which was right. It was right. Do that you tell everyone to get out we, of the we, driveway. That big, big part of working on the patio is saying, yeah. wait, I just thought that driveway. was for safety. That's it's, I mean, no, it's all. It's, it is. It's, it is. But it was. It was. But she, so, we, so meanwhile, I come back and no. they're walking here. But I see some of them by the by the uh, driveway. And one of them was Jay. And meanwhile, Biff is now facing east and he, it, waiting for the traffic to go by to pull in this driveway. And he's racing his engine. Rum, 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 rum. And I look up and I see he's going to pull. And I, see, I said, hey, hey, get out of the driveway. And he peeled in that driveway. And we hear, bang. And, I look, and Jay's laying on the ground. And the girls start screaming, you know, Dottie Archibald, all the girls, he hit Jay, he hit Jay. I said, son, bitch, he hit Jay. And at this point, I was oh at God. nervous breakdown. I, I was so sick of this whole bullshit. You know, and now it looks like Jay's dead. You know, <laughs> he's, he's laying so on the ground. And, and, and I'm thinking, one last, so um, what's interesting about being hit by a car? <laughs> I, I, I made up my mind that, that, that when Biff came up, I was going to deck him. Yeah. I, I, and, and, and he was a pretty tough guy, but I just was, I had it. And, and, and I kneeled down, and I, I tell, we had no cell phones in those hands. Somebody, get an ambulance. Somebody get an ambulance. Somebody get an ambulance. And I kneeled down and look at Jay, and Jay laying there, and he opens one eye, and he winks at me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what yeah, he did yeah. was what I didn't know. When the car went by, Jay hit it, with, hit the side of it with his hand. Boom. Like a wrestler. Fell down. Oh, he I, did a slip and fall. Yeah. So now I said, you son of a bitch. No, <laughs> everybody's up. Meanwhile, Biff come out of the car and the girls are screaming at me. He said, why well, didn't mean that? Mean. And he goes inside. You know, meanwhile, ambulance has come. And they're going to take Jay away. And Jay's trying to tell him I'm okay, but they, they can't. Of course, do that. Yeah. They have to take you to, only the hospital can release you. Yeah. So Jay has to go away in the ambulance, you know. And Mitzi called me inside and said, let's settle this thing tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so I got, I got a hold of Ken Browning. And as I told you earlier, we sat and talked till 4 wow. in the morning. Where did you sit and do it? Where in, in the in building? Office. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Are the, did uh, you keep it straight that night that you're like, I can't believe you hit Jay with the car. Wow, that was a lot. Really can't believe he, wow. I just kept saying, I hope he's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you know, that's where the whole, and then, then you know, later when Steve committed suicide, you know, um, the, the rumor was always that there was ghosts in here. You know, it started course, even yeah. before that, you know, that there was ghosts in this building, you know, but, uh, and it, it, it's really good because it's good for publicity, you know. Let them keep thinking there's ghosts in here. You don't think there are ghosts in here? No. No? I, I've always said on this podcast a lot, I repeat myself, but I say this place is haunted by living people. <laughs> it's the ghosts. We all walk around. There's some yeah. people walk around and you go, there's, okay, they're still hanging out even after that. I, I don't know, but it would be into. it would be interesting. It would be you know it'd be it'd be. I wish it, I wish it, there was, and I could say to him, "Is that you, Steve? You waiting to go back on again?" Or something? <laughs> yeah, she said no. Steve, <laughs> the ghost of Mitzi's here too. Going, yeah. No, can't yeah, go going on. back and yeah. forth. <laughs> when did you, when when was your first set back here after forty years? And also in the middle of that, was there ever 
Like you would drive by and you would kind of like. Were you living out here or were you living? Oh yeah, I, still, I live in Sherman Oaks. How okay. dra- how dramatic was it? I guess in your mind when you would drive, like you know, you drive by just on the way to one thing and you see the comedy store, or did it kind of wither, like kind of fade away as like, I guess the wo- the wound on. kind of. Thing. I don't think it'll ever it'll ever leave me because it was such a dramatic time yeah, and, of and also an exciting time. I mean, my whole life changed and. You know, I, I mean, everything I have, everything I own came from, you know, from, first of all, from meeting Tim Reed. That changed my whole life. I would never thought I would be a comedian. Mm. But this comedy store, it, 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 it set me on, on the right path, you know. And then the friendships I made here were still my friends today, Jeff Altman and Dave Letterman. And, you know, Johnny Witherspoon, they passed away. Johnny passed away. George mm. passed away. But a lot of great fond memories here, you know. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. That's been yeah, a, Tom, that's this been has been so cool. cool. A pleasure and an honor. Yeah. yeah. Uh, where can, next week on Monday, where can people come see you in the main room? You're doing a well. Here's the deal. Show. If if we if if we get a hundred people, only a hundred will do it in the original room. I don't know if twenty people are going to show up, or I don't care, or a hundred. But if it gets more than that, then we. Have What's to, the date and time? Next Monday, April twenty fourth at five p.m. Five p.m. It's going to be a motivation talk, and I think I think you'll enjoy it. This I'm, podcast I'm, is the stairway to stardom when it comes yeah. when it comes to selling out at five p.m. Yeah, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad of that because I tell you what, <laughs> thank you. Bruce. Uh, this is this is I've hit the peak now. I'm on my way out from after this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, this is the, the the big media implications. The uh, yeah. this is the press junket for the. Uh, <laughs> and you got someone who can cut your videos now. Oh yeah, I'll be yeah. in there. I'll there be. Go. I'm gonna really. Well, they used to do it like this for uh, for movies with people, but now they do it like this for the cell phone. Oh. Uh, it's been a great episode, everybody. Thank you, <laughs> Bruce. Where can people find you? Uh, the the you know, Bruce Gray online, BruceGrayComedy.com, Bakersfield, 429, Tembler Brewing, Portland, Oregon, 51358. Uh, this is my last uh, door cast as a door guy. I love oh, yeah, you guys all. Start, I'll, be, yeah. hey, I'll be in. I'll be out. I'll still yeah. come by the There's thing. a story about you this week that you had. You met a doppelganger. It was crazy. Oh, uh, Brendan Sagalow, yeah. Looks exactly like yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. We've been, we've been connected online many times. And yeah, we, I understand. It's, it was truly a st- I did two double takes in one night. I was really like, did Bruce... <laughs> and it was some other guy. Yeah, uh, Logan, where can people find everything? <sighs> okay, uh, Instagram. I'm, my name is Places I Took a Shit This Year. I'm sorry, Tom. <laughs> this has been a beautiful, enlightening episode, and I'm just ruining it. <laughs> Knock Bruce's hat off there. I heard, uh, I heard, you, I heard you sigh, and I was like, I was oh, like, she's going to do the Instagram. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a big episode. People will follow because... Yeah, Tom's and on. then on Twitter, if you're still using it, I'm at a dirty guns. <laughs> so, Logan Gunzelman, of course. Um, and that's and I'll be here at work. Willie, where can people find you? Um, I just want to say you guys had a great podcast. Right there. <laughs> <laughs> That was really fun to watch. Willie, give uh, us the traffic report. Dude. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm a fucking, I'm the guy late night, the, who's that little Mexican dude that uh, yeah, yeah, Fallon always cuts to? Yeah, I feel like that guy. You're not going to plug, I'll move on. Yeah, I'm not going to plug. This was, uh, this was great, I guess. <laughs> this was great, I guess. You're going to be in New York soon? Um, June 9th. Going to New, New York. York. Sure. Oh, yeah. Juneteenth. Yeah, exactly. That's why no. I did it. Oh, yeah. Preeminent okay. black comic, Willie Fallon. Uh, <laughs> I'll ask, hey, rate and review this podcast. I dare you. What are you, scared? Um, Rate it, rate it, whatever you want. What's its rating right now? Can I ask? You can. Uh, And we, (laughs) it was was nice having everybody. I got everyone's tips out. Uh, I got the, um, I'm sure I'm forgetting something. It's been, it's been a whirlwind of an episode. I was, I was Where can they find you, Luke? I'm online. I'm not hiding. 
<laughs> you, you, everyone knows where at Luke does stuff on Twitter. I'm still there, and I'm on Instagram at help, 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 help for helps. That's pretty embarrassing to say too. Uh, thanks, Katie, for all the help in the booth. Yeah, Katie. And, uh, we'll Tom see you next week. Tom Dreesen. We'll see Tom Dreesen next week. I love this. Hey, you should keep this. Bye, Willie. That white boy. Crazy. Crazy. That white boy. <laughs> <laughs>